Hello and welcome to today's edition of the Business Excellence Podcast. My name is Rail Bricker, coming to you from Perth, Western Australia. And with me, as usual, my co-host from Brisbane, Australia, Lindsay Adams. Hello and welcome. For a value added extra, excellencepodcast.com has heaps of free resources for you to download. That is excellencepodcast.com. And today we are joined by E.A. Solkovitz, all the way from Michigan in the U.S. of A. Uh, welcome, E.A. Hey, thank you so much for having me on uh, your podcast, uh, Rail, and also Lindsay. And I, I just want to mention I love your platform because we need more people sharing the importance of excellence. And uh, I just love your platform. And uh, thank you for having me on as a guest. Well, thank you. Now, we were talking earlier, and uh, and you said to me up until about the age of ten, you thought your name was Go Chop Wood. Um, <laughs> so we've, we've settled on the on the shortened version, EA. And as I said, you have an Austrian heritage. So um, I have some lovely friends in Austria, often confused with Australia, believe yes. it or not. Uh, anyway, you're the founder of Givers University. So talk to me about this Givers thing. Well, you know. Um, I, I love this concept and uh, I'm a great believer in, in being a giver. So what's the difference between being a giver and being a taker? Let's start with the basics. Very, very good. And, and that's actually the heart of what Givers University is all about. The question you just asked, Lindsay. So thank you for asking that. Um, we actually teach something that simply is not being taught today. You know, we have businesses coming and going so fast. Products are antiquated overnight by new products. Everything's so fast that no one is discerning anymore. And what we do is we teach people at Givers University. And first, I want to say, we love everybody. I say that emphatically. We love everybody. But what we teach people to do at Givers University is to discern. And what we teach them to do is to separate the person who we love from their deeds, which we may not love. And we just teach them to discern so that, and we teach specific, very specific, not broad swaths of, you know, nebulous information that you wonder when it's all done, they'll all sound great, but what do I do with it? We brought everything down to the finest detail to where a person can no longer say, how do I do this? And we identify the specific deeds the deeds of a person. So when we're labeling, when we say giver, we're not labeling a person, we're labeling their deeds. When we say taker, we're not labeling a person as a taker, we're labeling their deeds. And what we do at Givers University is we do that discerning and we teach people, look for these certain things, look for these certain symptoms, because when you watch for these things and you're discerning, you can now begin to decide do I want to bring this person closer into my life? Because if they're a giver, they're going to bring with what we call the three W's, wisdom, wealth, and wellness. Or because I'm seeing these specific things, do I want to respectfully begin respectfully distancing myself, not nasty or rude, respectfully distancing myself before I become collateral damage? Because takers bring with them the three D's, which is defeatism, disruption, and destruction. And so we teach people. And by evidence of a question, I would ask all your listeners, think about the fires 
that you stamped out today. Think about the phone calls you had where your stress level spiked. Think about the people you talked to that at the end of the conversation, you can no longer identify what you talked about other than the fact you have no more energy left. They just drained it out of you. And we teach people when you think about those three things, the fires, the stress, all that, they have one thing in common. There's a name attached to each one of them. So we teach people if there's ways and things you can do to discern and Noah's teaching, you know, I'm a self-improvement geek. I know you gentlemen are too, constantly looking for ways. That's what ex- excellence in your whole podcast is about, right? We yep. want to self-improve, but no one's teaching. What about the other guy? What about if he's not doing it right? What should I do then? Do I welcome him in and now he, I become collateral damage and I'm stopping out all these fires? Or are there certain things I can be looking for that when I see these specific deeds, and I use the example, if someone had uh, itchy, uh, maybe runny, uh, itchy eyes or runny nose, I could presume they have a cold. I can't see the cold, but I can see the symptoms. So what we teach people, look for these deeds, look for these symptoms. And when you see these deeds, you can now begin to discern, should I bring them in closer as my giver community or should I distance myself? Yeah, so I've got a question then. So so as a giver, right, someone who, 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 who is setting themselves up to, to give you know, and you meet somebody who's a who, who, or somebody whose deeds are those or actions of a taker, using your terminology. How do you, um, you know, should you then be reaching out to that person to try and and say to them, well, you know, you, all you're doing, or all your deeds are doing, is taking, 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 sapping my energy, and and try and bring them around to another way of thinking, because if you cut them out of your your circle, if you cut them out of your, because your fear of collateral damage, surely then, then you, you know, you, you, you're not fulfilling the idea of being a giver. So, so how does that make sense? The question. So, so if you, if you want to give, surely you should be reaching out to those who are takers and trying to educate them on, on what, what you believe is a better path. Uh, Great question. Thank you. And uh, the two part answer. One is we teach at Givers University that when you're a giver, people will take advantage of you, but you are never diminished. See, people don't catch that last part till we teach it. When you're a giver, expect people to take advantage of you. They're going to, but you're never diminished because they took advantage of you. They're diminished and they lost the relationship. And many times, in fact, 100% of the time, you will get back what you gave to that other person from another person, another circumstance, another event. It, as a law of compensation, one of the things we teach, because people don't make a lot of money because they don't understand compensation. Money is just a yardstick. There's a whole thing called compensation, which is way more important and detailed than money. So the first part is people will take advantage of a giver, but that doesn't mean the giver is diminished. And the taker only ultimately, when we really understand what's going on, they're really only taking from themselves. The second thing, the second part to that answer 
is I would recommend they share, in fact, with every single one of those people, a podcast called the Business Excellence Podcast. (laughs) (laughs) And the reason is as follows. You know, sometimes we have people around us that we love and they're taking. And how do you broach the subject? Because you don't want to hurt their feelings. You love them, right? And they're close to you. So at the same time, how do you broach the subject and sort of help open their mind? And I would recommend simply share with them the Business Excellence Podcast, your gentleman's podcast, and say, you know what? I heard this great podcast. It was very thought-provoking. It was relatively short. And it made me think. And I really liked it. Do me a favor. You listen to this and Give me your feedback on it because you love it. So your podcast becomes part of the answer, real to your question, and that is share with them this podcast to help them understand there is another way. Okay. So um, EA, you know, I love this concept. Uh, When did you first start to articulate this? So when did it come into being? When did you you know, stumble on this. Co- I mean, I love the uh, the concept of, um, you know, the giver. And, I, and you know, there's an organisation which was founded in America by a bloke called Ivan Meisner called BNI. You've probably heard of it. He, They talk about giver's game. Uh, so when, when did you first start ruminating, cultivating this concept? Well, part of it had to do, I mean, my, my background was, you know, very humble, son of a milkman. Uh, you know, my father delivered milk. He had a distributorship called Twin Oaks uh, and, you know, one, literally a one person operation. And back then milk came in glass containers and there was a box outside the house. And, uh, you know, we, <laughs> so that was the, yeah, that was the time. And there was money in the box. People ever knew there was money in there for the milkman and no one touched it. No one touched that money. They knew no there was one milk touched that money. No. Yeah. So uh, it must have been before, before global warming because we could leave milk outside and it didn't go off. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. And, and people, I tell them it was in glass containers and they go, no, I said, I'm telling you, I, you know, then from that, I became, I reached my first level of excellence, uh, real and Lindy, Lindsay. And that was, for, I moved up from being the son of a milkman all the way up to janitor. <laughs> now I didn't mind being a janitor because business was always picking up. What? Okay. Anyway, so the, uh, so, <laughs> Yeah, right. Okay. He's always picking up. So, they, but uh, as a part of that, I had two great experiences. And this really sort of started way back when in the seed form, Givers University. Um, I had the opportunity because I was bondable at the ripe old age of 16 years old to clean the home of a lady every week. This lady's name was June Martino. She had the third most controlling stock in McDonald's. Have either of you gentlemen seen the movie with Michael Keaton called The Founder? Yeah. Okay. All right. And now if you, if you remember, you know, Michael Keaton plays Ray Kroc and and by the way, that movie's very Hollywoodized. I mean, it really wasn't that way, but it is based on certain events and that, that is true. I lived it. I literally lived in Oak Brook area. So my whole life, I saw the phenomenon and June Martino, the, the lady that Ray keeps talking to out of his office, he says, June, June, he's always talking. That's her. That's the lady. Uh, Now that's an actress, obviously, but in real life, that was the lady whose house I cleaned every week. So there was a chance and I had, and I, and I, and she was very approachable, very nice, worth more zeros than I could count on my fingers and toes. And uh, one day she was extra, I could tell she was in extra good mood. And at 16 years old, I mustered up all my courage and I went up to her, I said, June, can I ask you a question? And she like looked at me and she knew who I was and she was always very nice. And, you know, I said hi to each other. And I was in there every week. And uh, I said, yeah, could you uh, tell me about it? She said, what? 
I said, well, the whole McDonald's thing. And she put her arm around me and brought me in the kitchen and told me all day long the entire story from the very beginning all the way through to the second we were sitting there. And I thought, oh, my God, this is June Martino. She's an icon. And, and she's, the maids and butlers are bringing, she's having them bring us food in the kitchen so she can keep telling me the story. And she told me one point, which in the movie, if you remember, there's a time when June tells Ray, we don't have any money. <laughs> we're not getting out. And then Ray has to call the brothers and say, I need more percentage, right? Yeah. I don't know if you remember that segment. That, that part's true. And she told me about that way before the movie. This is a long time ago, right? I'm 65 years old. And I was 16 back then, right? So she, she told me at that point, she said, there was a time when Ray couldn't pay me. And he paid me in stock. <laughs> and he in a worthless company. It was upside down. There was no value to McDonald's. It was worthless. Literally, it was upside down. And he took all the bill collector phone calls for her. So she didn't have to be hassled. And, and I said, June, I, I'm a janitor. I work Friday to Friday. I get a paycheck on Friday. If, I'm not, if I don't get paid Friday, I'm not showing Saturday. And she said, and so I asked her, why did you do it? Why did you work for this man with no pay and getting paid in worthless stock? And I could tell no one had ever asked her that question. She sat back and looked at me and their answer made the hair stand up on the back of my neck. When I asked her, why'd you do it? She said, because I believed in Ray. And I th my immediate thought was, I got to find a Ray Kroc. I got to find me a Ray Kroc that can teach me, that can mentor me, that can teach me how to raise myself up from being a janitor. And that gentleman, when what he taught me my business mentor, who I met literally just a couple of months later, literally set the foundation of my teachings and the things I learned that ultimately helped me through my three greatest defeats in life. And each one of those defeats caused me to write a book. And that all those books became the foundation of Givers University. And the series of three books is called Give to Be Great. And that's three books specifically. And that was how it all started uh, because of his teachings. So, so yeah, so that, was, that's called Seth Sam Robbins that you you've you've told us correct. About, and and he was running a a chain uh, Holland Jewelers. Yes, and you joined them, and at age twenty three, you were running that business. How did how did that progression come about? I mean, how did he back you at twenty three to be you know managing director or chairman of of the organization? Well, he, uh, again, this was the second event that happened as I was a janitor. We got a phone call at, at night, came in the office and said, this guy's in from Detroit. Now, remember, I'm living in Chicago here at this time, right? Greater Chicago land area, Oak Brook. And uh, he said, this guy's coming in. He's opening a diamond store and uh, he needs some carpeting. And I said, Jerry, I don't know. Anything. I'm talking to the boss of the janitorial service. It's only him and I there. And I said, Jerry, I don't anything about carpeting. He said, go over and show him some carpeting. I said, Jerry, I already punched out. I'm gone. I'm not doing it. He said, I'll tell you what, I'll give you your own Saturday off. Now for a janitor, that's a big negotiation chip because all businesses are closed on Saturday and we're cleaning, right? So if I get my Saturday off. So here I, so I said, any Saturday I went off? He said, <laughs> he, and he said, yes. So here I am, gentlemen, as a lesson to your listeners, begrudgingly dragging my heels on a negotiated Saturday off of my choice, I'm going to meet the man that will change my life forever. 
So be careful and be observing and discerning of the most significant events that will happen at the most insignificant times. So they'll seem at that moment. And that was Sam Robbins. I never sold him the carpeting. He offered me a job. And then for the next four months, I got in the car at four o'clock in the morning on Saturday morning, drove all the way to Detroit, 301 miles to be precise, and asked him six hours worth of questions, got back in the car the same day and drove back to Chicago and did that every single weekend and never missed a weekend for four months in a row. That's the kind of thing. And you need to be willing to do the thing to get the thing. That's one of the things we teach at Givers University. Do the thing to get the thing. So you mentioned some major defeats. Tell, tell us about that. Um, you said three and they caused you to write three books. Give us some insight into that. Um, well, I, I'll certainly share with you at least the first one in the interest of time of our podcast because uh, I never say anything in 10 minutes if I can say it in 20. <laughs> anyway, so the, <laughs> as you probably have already surmised, <laughs> but uh, the, uh, the, the, first, uh, the first major feat, defeat I had, this one's extraordinary. I'm going to ask you two gentlemen, Lindsay, I'm going to ask you and, and Rayel, what, what, what you think are the odds of this happening? So I, was being business, I was being mentored by my business mentor and separate from that, totally separate. I had opened a training company with another gentleman. He owned 50%. I owned 50%. We both had 50% of this company. It was very successful. We were doing trainings for other companies, teaching those businesses how to grow, had multiple offices, doing great. Back then, and I know you gentlemen remember this, we had a machine that sat on my desk that was called a voice answering machine. And on one side, it had a cassette tape for your listeners, oh, they can't see because I'm doing my fingers, right? But they were this small cassette tapes. They actually were, they actually happened. And on one side had outgoing message. The other side, it had incoming messages. The incoming side was a 60-minute tape. I left home for an hour and a half. I came back and the whole 60-minute tape was used up. I thought, oh my God. Well, some kids figured out that my machine was voice actuated. As long as someone talks, it'll keep recording. And sometimes they'd figure that out and start playing on it, right? So that's what I figured. Boy, was I in for a shocker, a real shocker. So I play the message back and it turns out it's my business partner, not my mentor, my business partner who I own 50% of this company. I had 50%, he had 50% of this training company. He was leaving me a message just to call him back. And he did it so fast, I could hear the beep in the background and the message back then when someone was calling someone while you're talking to him, you could hear beep, beep, and that sort of lets you know someone was calling in, right? So I could hear someone was calling him while he was leaving the message. He hit the receiver so fast, he put my machine on call recording and recorded the whole conversation with him and someone else. I wasn't even home. And the recording was their exact plan step by step of taking over the whole company and kicking me out. Wow. I heard it in his own words. Let me tell you, that's different than third party. When you're hearing it in their own words, you know, there's, first of all, it's undeniable, but I mean, you want to talk about an emotional roller coaster. And I had a sleepless night and I had to think, okay, what has my mentor taught me? Well, he's drilled into me, be responsive, don't be reactionary. As an example, in the medical community, someone's giving a, a, a treatment and they're reacting, that's not good. If they're responding, that's good. And he, and he drilled in me over and over again. Always make sure your intellect controls your emotions. When your intellect controls your emotions, you are responding. When your emotions control your intellect, 
You're reacting. You don't want to be there. Nothing good's going to come out of that. So I thought, and I thought, man, what am I going to do? I got to get my head around this thing. Sleepless night, get up the next day. I tell the, my business partner, you've got to, uh, you've got to buy me out. And uh, I said, you have seven days. I'm going to do some of my business mentor. I got a couple payments on the company, really, guys. And I, I was surprised I got them because I, now that I knew what kind of person he was, I figured the two payments I got were gifts. Anyway, here's the point. 12 months later, my income doubled. 12 months later, he filed for personal bankruptcy, business bankruptcy, got divorced. And I saw him at an amusement park. I could see him. I mean, we were just far enough away. He didn't see me, but I knew who he was. He was my business partner. I, that was him. It looked like he had aged 20 years. So that was my first major defeat. And I thought, man, I don't want to be in this position again. I, I didn't even know what to look for. It was such a blindsiding event. So that caused me to write the first book called The Giver's Mindset, How a Giver Thinks Different Than a Taker. So there's a giver's mindset. Second book, Giver's Lifestyle, How a Giver Lives, Their Habits, Their Lifestyle, and a Taker's, How the Takers Live and Their Habits. You can see the these are detailed habits, not broad swaths of information. Look for this thing. Look for this deed, right? And the last one is called The Giver's Lifelong Learning. So that's the first defeat. And so what are the odds of that happening? He yeah. could have called, he could have called me when I was home, but no, he called when I was gone. Mm. That gentleman could have called him at another time. No, he called him there. When he called him, they could have talked about golf. No, the plan. And here's the final point. I never told him the recording happened. He has since passed on. I never ever told him that the recording even took place. Well, that's, I mean, th that's amazing because it could have been a major defeat, but, but, you know, circumstance put it in, in a different way for you. And that's that, that, that's what life is about. I guess it's about, it's about this journey to excellence. Now, now the, the tagline on our podcast and, and the tagline in my own, in my own business as a professional speaker is that we can never be perfect. We can only be on this journey to excellence, which is being the best we can be. So I want to, I want to roll back to a question with you. And that was, you mentioned your mentor. How important is it to have mentors? And, and the second part of that question is, is, do we look for mentors for life or mentors for a phase in our life? Uh, Great question. And again, thank you for that question. Uh, two questions. So two answers. Number one, how important are mentors? Critical. See, I, I was a burnt out son of a milkman janitor who thought my big event of every day was getting free songs on the jukebox when I cleaned bowling alleys at two in the morning. That was my big, you know, joy. And so yeah, <laughs> what we do, right? That was it. And so it was my mentor that helped to burn out those couple of those burnt out wires together and started to teach me how to think that every, and this was a critical thing he taught me, every adversity in life carries with it the seed of an equal or greater benefit. Not some, not a little, every adversity in life carries with it the seed of an equal or greater benefit. It's up to us in wanting a life of excellence to find those seeds. And he said, you know what? He said, don't use the word failure. He says, it's an eternal word. Use temporary defeat. If you notice, I always use my three temporary defeats. He said, because when you get tackled, 
when you really get up and look around, you'll realize when you got tackled, you got a first down, you're still in the game. He said, so it's a part of excellence, which is one of the things I love about your gentleman's podcast, teaching people how to be exceptional, how to have a life of excellence. So is it important to have mentors? Absolutely. And how do you find them? And, and, and should they be for a part of your life or all of your life? The answer to that question is both. Uh, if my business mentor hadn't passed away, he'd still be my mentor because that was a lifelong mentorship. I became the son he never had, even though he had a son. He became the father I never had, even though I had a father. So that was how close we were in that mentor relationship, right? A blessing, a true blessing. And then he passed away due to uh, extreme health conditions, which is what caused our commitment to doing things in, in the wellness community later on. So yes, absolutely find a mentor. One of the ways they can be mentored is also subscribing to your podcast. They should, I mean, your, your podcast is mentoring and they should be, you know, and they should have that notification button on. And every time you hit a new video on your podcast, they should be getting notified and listen to it because that's part of their mentoring. So, but here's the thing we want to be discerning. We want to discern and listen to the right people, ask the right question to the wrong person. You get the wrong answer. Ask the wrong question to the right person. You get the wrong answer. We need to ask the right question to the right person. And that's a really good, solid mentor. Yeah, I, uh, sounds really good. No, I heartily agree. EA, I'm, I'm sad to do this, mate, but we, we're going to have to wrap this up. We're out of time. If our listeners wanted to get in touch with you, what's the simplest way for them to do that? Well, we're going to do some great things for your listeners, compliments of your podcast. We want them to do a seven-question quiz. Oh, The name of the quiz is, what is your givers and takers awareness IQ? It's seven questions. They will do it in less than five minutes. I mean, literally less than five minutes and they'll get an assessment. There's different assessments based on their answers. Multiple choice, very simple, seven questions. That's it. And then after that, within seconds, they will receive, I should say minutes. They're going to get a free gift from us, from you, which are the six arrows. It's an actual chess checklist of the six arrows that takers shoot at givers all the time. And when someone look at these, they go, oh, oh man, someone needs to teach this. Because as soon as they see it, they start to recognize these arrows that they didn't know were there before. It's sort of like when you're getting ready to buy a green car, all of a sudden you see green cars everywhere. Yeah. It's, the same, <laughs> it's the same thing. They look at these checklists and they go, oh, this is great stuff. They're going to need to teach this. A couple of days later, we're going to gift them from your podcast as a gift the 25 do's, a two-page checklist that's from the Giver's Mindset book. Absolutely free. We want them to have this checklist. It's going to help their life. And it's a two-page, 25 do's. These are the things that takers do that you should be watching. These are the things that givers do that you should be watching for to help you discern, do you want to pull them in closer? Or do you, should you be thinking about respectfully distancing? So all they need to do is go to a simple URL. It's www. I don't know what I'm saying. That. Everyone says that. Uh, www, right? Givers, it's plural. Giversuniversity.info. Giversuniversity.info. When they go there, they're actually on the first question already. They're already there. <laughs> and they seven questions and it starts the relationship from that. They'll find out who we are, what Givers University does. And we will load them up with free checklists that will cause their productivity to skyrocket and their stress level to plummet because 
They're going to be able to discern and see what people they're going to in advance. I'm a commercial pilot. I learned how to fly my own planes. And as a part of that, one of the things they said, look out the window. My instructor said, look out the window. And when you see a plane that's only an inch inch in the window, when that plane goes from one inch to three inches in size, you better be concerned. (laughs) The reason why the plane's coming at you, right? We teach people how to watch the plane at a distance when it's coming at you. And that helps their happiness level go up because they don't need to pull these people in tight because they know that maybe they should keep their distance as a result. Gentlemen, thank you. And I recommend every one of your listeners should share your podcast because if they have someone they love and they don't know how to broach the subject because someone they love is doing too, too much taking, share this podcast and it'll help open their mind. And then the person that shared it might be a beneficiary because now they'll have one less fire to stomp out. So they should share this podcast with other people and they're doing themselves a favor. Again, givers gain, takers lose. Perfect. Thank you, EA. That was a, that was a, a great uh, inspiration for, for, for us interviewing you because it's very early here in the morning. In fact, it's still pitch black outside this morning. Um, and, and for Lindsay, it's a little bit later because he's two hour time shift from me. And you are a 12-hour time shift from us. So this is the beauty of technology that we can have these amazing conversations about excellence and becoming more excellent in life. I love the the concluding story because I also had a pilot's license, a private pilot's license. Mm -hmm. I don't have a commercial rating, but uh, um, I I do love my flying. And and the last plane I flew was a 1952 Boomerang. Beautiful. which was a training a, 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 a training plane for the Spitfire. So that was a, wow. that was a whole lot of fun. So that, well, you, you and I both know any landing you walk away from is a good one. That's it. They, said, <laughs> they always said make as, make as many takeoffs as you do landings. Okay. <laughs> so um, thank you very much. Today's, thank you, EA Solkovitz, for being our guest today on the Business Excellence Podcast. This is Rail Bricker and my co-host, Lindsay Adams, signing off for another edition of the Business Excellence Podcast with a reminder to pop along to our website, excellencepodcast.com. And on that site, there are a number of free resources for you, including some eBooks, one called Building Excellence, a 48-page eBook to help you on your journey to excellence. This is Rail Bricker signing off.